congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles once again to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Last week, Lord's Day morning, we looked at Jesus thanking his Father in verses 25 and 26 as our preparatory sermon. And we saw that he was thanking God for, and what what he was thanking God for, and what he was teaching us through his thanksgiving, is that salvation is by God's grace alone. We do not contribute anything to our salvation. And so we learn that we are totally to depend upon him, to depend on God in Christ for our salvation, not on ourselves. Not on our wisdom, not on our our prudence, our understanding, not on our works, not on our feelings, not on our experiences, not on our anything. None of that can save us. And we need that reminder, don't we, congregation? Also, Also in view of the Lord's Supper this morning. We are not to come to the table trusting in or or boasting in ourselves. We are to come trusting in Jesus, looking away from ourselves to Christ alone. But we can still struggle with that, can't we? Does Christ want me? Will he receive me? It's not just a struggle before conversion. It's a a struggle that we can have after conversion too because, you see, we all sin. As believers, yes, we all sin still. We're not under the power of sin, but we still sin even even though we don't want to. We still fail. We still fall short of the glory of God. Isn't that true of you? Even this past week. We've all sinned. And in light of that, we can be tempted to think, and maybe that's how you came here this morning, Jesus doesn't want me. Or or, he can't help me. Or he won't forgive me. He won't receive me. At least not like this. Not just as I am right now. I need to clean myself up a bit first. I I need to make myself worthy. And and so, on the one hand, maybe we we try to deny or or to minimize or or to defend our sins so that we feel worthy. Or or on the other hand, we, we try to make up for our sins. Whichever we do, we either way, we are staying away from Christ. We instead of going to Him. We, we, we choose to live laboring and heavy laden, exhausting ourselves as we carry our burden of sin around instead of receiving the rest that Christ gives because we think he doesn't want me. Not like this. Oh, beloved, our text this morning, Matthew 11, verses 27 and 28, declares that nothing can be further from the truth. In these verses, really, the the whole uh, verses 25 to 30, all of them, they're they're just brimming with with the tenderness of Christ. But in verses 27 and 28, Jesus turns from speaking to the Father and he speaks to the people. He speaks to us. And listen to what he says. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knows the Son but the Father. 
Neither knows any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Dear congregation, the Lord Jesus in our text is tenderly inviting all who labor and are heavy laden, all the weary and the burdened ones, to himself for rest. He wants them to come to him just as they are. And he extends that same invitation to us today in in his supper. He confirms that, that word. And and so for our encouragement and edification, let us consider then our text, verses 27 and 28, under the theme, Jesus' tender invitation to come to him. And we'll see, first of all, the view he tenderly gives of himself. Secondly, the call he tenderly issues from himself. And third, the rest he tenderly promises in himself. So first of all, the view he he tenderly gives of himself. We see this especially in verse 25. Christ's prayer just before this verse focused our attention on his Father, showing us that salvation is a gift of his grace. But we might ask, how does the Father show that grace? How does he grant his gracious salvation? Well, in verse 25, Christ, Christ declares the answer, doesn't he? He points to himself as the answer. He says, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man save the the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. What Christ is doing here, congregation, is he's really preparing the way for his invitation in verse 26. He's tenderly giving us a view of himself so that we would go to him in repentance and in faith. In the first place, he shows, us, he shows us the absolute authority he has from the Father. All things are delivered unto me by my Father. In the Greek, it, it literally says, all things to me have been delivered by my Father. It's emphatic, the, the to me, he, he places it at the front of the sentence He's drawing our attention to to himself. He wants us to see that he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who has received absolute authority, authority over everything from the Father. The Father has entrusted his Son with everything. Reminds me, maybe children, you you know the story of Joseph. We read a bit about him last week in the evening service. And and maybe you remember how when Pharaoh had those dreams about the seven years of of plenty that would come and then the seven years of famine, he he didn't know what those... First, his dreams were of of seven good cows and seven thin cows eating up the good cows and then good ears of corn and the thin ears of corn eating up the, the good ones. And then Joseph tells him what that means, doesn't he? He says, these are years of plenty and, and years of famine. And and Joseph, after he tells Pharaoh the meaning of the dream, he suggests to him that, that he should choose a man who, who would store up the food in the seven good years to prepare for the seven bad years of famine. And then what did Pharaoh do? Do you remember? He said, basically, Joseph, you do it. You shall be over my house, and according unto your word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. He set him over all the land of Egypt. And then when the the years of famine came and and the people in Egypt cried out to Pharaoh, give us bread, what did he say? Go unto Joseph. What he says to you, do. 
Well, that's a bit like what Jesus is saying in our text. He's saying that just like Joseph received absolute authority from Pharaoh, so he, the Lord Jesus Christ, has received absolute authority from his Father. And so he's saying, what he's saying with that, he's saying that he has everything you need, everything I need for salvation. And he has his Father's authority to give it to you. Oh, what a tender encouragement. What a tender encouragement that is to go straight to Jesus Christ, just as you are. He shows us his absolute, absolute authority, but he also, he also shows us his perfect intimacy with the Father. He says, no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father but the Son. Christ is saying here that, that he and his Father know each other. They, they commune with each other. They delight in each other. They, they love each other fully and, and perfectly. There, he's saying that there's an eternal and a, 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 a unique and an unbreakable family bond of the deepest, sweetest fellowship between them. But why does he say that? What's his point? Well, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to fallen, sinful human beings. He's speaking to people who by nature do not and cannot have any relationship or intimacy with God at all. He's speaking to people whose sins have separated them from God. He's speaking to people who have no hope in themselves. He's speaking to people who need a mediator. To people who need someone to reconcile them to God. And what he's saying is that he, the divine Son of God, who has this perfect intimacy with his Father, who is standing there before them in human flesh, he's tenderly saying to them and to us, that mediator you need, that person you need to reconcile you to God, is me. Look at my relationship with the Father. I'm fully qualified. I have what you don't have. I have what you need. I have perfect intimacy with my Father. All you say, but the text says, no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son. What, what good is that? Yes, that's what the text says. But it's not all the text says. Look at it again. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son. And, and, oh what a beautiful and, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. In other words, beloved, Jesus is showing us that he has not only absolute authority from his Father. And not only perfect intimacy with his Father. He's also showing us that he and he alone has the power to reveal his Father. He has the power to, to bring us into relationship with the Father. To, he has the power to reconcile us to God. And he has that right. He has that power. Why? Why? Because of his death. Because of his death. 
You see, Jesus was speaking these words before his death, yes, but he was speaking them in view of his death. The death of the cross to which he willingly humbled himself. And it's that death that the Lord's Supper here this morning proclaims. And so just like in our text, Christ in in the Lord's Supper through the broken bread and poured out wine symbolizing his broken body and shed blood, he is tenderly giving us a view of himself. He's saying, look at me. I have what you need. And I'm willing to give it. Because I went to the cross so that I could reveal my Father to you. To needy sinners. So that through me, sinners could be reconciled to my Father and come to know him and even share in that fellowship and in that communion and in that intimacy that I have with him. But maybe you say, how can I receive all that? How can I receive that revelation of the Father, that that fellowship, that reconciliation with, with God, that saving knowledge of Him? After all, you say Jesus doesn't say that He, as God's Son, will reveal His Father to everyone. It says that He will reveal His His Father to whomsoever He the Son wills. So what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not worthy enough for him? Will Christ reveal his father to someone like me? Will he give his salvation to someone like me? Well, that brings us to our second point. You see, the Lord Jesus in our text, he not only gives us, tenderly gives us a view of himself to encourage us to come to him, but he also tenderly issues a call from himself. And here we come to these well-known words of Jesus in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Oh, how tenderly, how tenderly he addresses our fears with such a call. His call is so earnest. Come, come unto me. I've given you this view of myself so that you would see that I have everything you need and I'm able to give it and I'm right here. So come, come now. Don't hold back. Don't don't be afraid, but come to me. I am the answer, the great answer, the only answer to your sin, to your separation from God to your unworthiness, to your condemnation. I am the only answer to your laboring and your, your, your being heavy laden. Oh, how earnestly, how earnestly he calls. What greater proof of his earnestness, what greater proof of his sincerity can there be than this? He died. He died so that he could say those words. So that he, by his spirit, can be here even this morning saying those words to us and meaning them 100%. Come unto me. His call is it's so earnest and it's so gracious. 
who does he call to come to him? Does he call the righteous? No. Does he call the successful? No. Does he call the, the worthy? No. Does he call the ones who have it all together? No. He calls the laboring and the heavy laden, the weary ones, the burdened ones, to himself. Those are the people he calls. People who are the picture, you could even say, the definition of misery and of wretchedness. And beloved, that's all of us by nature. You may not realize it. You may not see yourself that way. You may be trying to ignore it. You may be not wanting to admit it. But apart from Jesus Christ, this is who we are by nature. People laboring day and night under the burden of sin and under the burden of the judgment of God. And these are the people that Christ calls. Come. And he invites not just some of them, but all of them. Did you notice that? Oh, what a relief that is when, when he has shown you your burden, when he's made you weary of yourself to know that he calls even you to come to him. What a marvel that is. He calls all who labor and are heavy laden. We read that word all so quickly. We pass over it. But what a gracious word it is. It's brimming. It's brimming with the grace, the tenderness of Christ. All. What an encouragement to come. To come to him for the first time and to come for the thousandth time. Are you here this morning in need of such encouragement? Perhaps you're here as an unbeliever. Maybe you've never confessed faith in the Lord Jesus or, or maybe you have, but, but to your shame you have to admit it was only a sham. It was, it was only a mask. Maybe you've had years of, of hypocrisy and, and empty religion. But now you, you are here and you're, you, you see your sin, you see your misery, you see your bondage and you're laboring and you're, and you're heavy laden and, and you're struggling to believe, can Jesus really want me? What does he say? Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. Or perhaps you are here as a believer yet still weary, burdened by your sin, burdened by your failure, burdened by your shame, burdened by your guilt. Maybe nobody else sees it. Nobody else knows it, but you do. Maybe you're burdened with the weakness of your faith or the coldness of your heart or the many shortcomings in your obedience and you are here wondering if the Lord Jesus wants you. Come to me, all, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. That's his answer. That's the answer he gives in our text. And that's the answer that he confirms again at the table. Oh, the call he tenderly issues is so gracious. And it's so simple. He says, come. That means belief. That means trust. That means to commit, to entrust yourself entirely to him. 
just as you are. That's his call. It's not complicated. He doesn't give a list of conditions you have to meet before you can come. He doesn't say do this or do that first before you come. He doesn't say make yourself worthy first and then you can come to me. No, he says come. Just come. Come unto me. Come as you are, trusting in me. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. And what? And what? What's his promise in verse 28? And I will give you rest. This is now our third point, the rest that he tenderly promises in himself. And the word Jesus uses for rest here doesn't just mean not doing anything. It means, it means really relief, refreshment. You, you could translate Jesus' words this way, I will refresh you. That's the rest that Jesus promises to give. And we hope to look at different aspects of, of that rest that are at the tables together. But, but for now, just briefly, let's notice two things about this refreshing rest that he promises. First of all, Christ promises that he himself will give it. I, Jesus says, I will give you rest. He calls us to himself and then he doesn't send us on somewhere. He doesn't, he's, he's not like a, a stopover on, on the way to a final destination. No, he is the final destination. He himself promises to give us the rest we need. To give it, as it were, with his own hands. It makes me think of when Boaz, Boaz met Ruth in the field and he said, he invited her to come and, and eat with his hired servants, his hired reapers at the mealtime and and at that mealtime, he himself passed the food. He passed her the food and she ate and was satisfied. So Christ himself tenderly gives us the rest and the refreshment we need. And how does he do that, beloved? He does it by giving us himself. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. Christ giving us himself, his body and his blood to nourish us, to refresh us, to strengthen us. It's all about Christ uniting us to himself by his spirit. He himself gives us rest by giving us himself. But, but secondly, he promises that he will freely give it. We don't pay for it. We don't have to earn it. He gives us rest freely. And you say, why? You say, how? Because he paid for it. That's what the broken bread and the poured out wine tell us. They tell us that the rest Christ gives is a rest he fully paid for. When on the cross, he willingly took the sin of everyone who comes to him upon himself. And he labored under the crushing burden of God's righteous judgment and wrath. Yes, he labored even to death. So that he can give rest freely, freely to every laboring and heavy laden one who comes to him, who looks to him, who trusts in him. Oh, do you see? Do you see how tenderly he promises rest? 
Doesn't the rest he promises to give so personally, so freely encourage you then to come to him? You who have never come before. And doesn't it encourage you, dear trembling, anxious, fearful, weak believer here this morning? To come to him again. Yes, also to come to him at his table. And receive rest. He wants you. He's willing to receive you. Because he has said, Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have you come? And will you come? Amen.